0: with me. Lord Jesus, as you have given all for us and everything is already yours, continue to grow hearts in us that see that all we have is a gift from your hand, that that would overflow in lives of thanksgiving in us. In Jesus' name, amen. There's an old story about an elderly lady who got stopped for speeding one day. She was going 70 and a 45. So the police officer asked her, why were you going so fast? She replied, well, sir, the sign back there said 70. Well, no, ma'am, he replied. That wasn't the speed limit sign. That was the highway sign. This is highway number 70. She said, oh, my goodness. I'm sure glad you didn't see me back there on highway 129. Numbers are important. Ask a police officer, ask a math teacher, ask a banker. Numbers are important, and yes, what we count matters. In the church, we often count many different things. One of the most counted numbers in church is what? How many people come to worship on a Sunday? We keep track of that, and it is a helpful thing and a good thing to count, but it's often what's compared. How big is your church means how many people come on a Sunday. That is an important number, but there's actually an even more important number to count. And a more important number to count than how many people come in our doors is how many of us go out of our doors and share our faith with somebody else. Or how many of us went out from here, and lived differently because we encountered Jesus and we were renewed by the life and forgiveness that only he offers and we went and lived this week differently. Now that's a better number to count. How many of us intentionally loved God and our neighbors because we were with Jesus? Here's another thing we often count in the church. People often want to count how many young people are in church. And so the question can come up, well, how many, how many youth do we have or how many young people do, do we have? That's fine, that's good, but there's still maybe a more important thing to count than that. I think it's more important to count not many how, not how many people are here now, but how many youth that grew up here in the last 10 years, now as adults, still have a living relationship with Jesus? Or how many of our own who grew up here in the past 10 years are still worshiping and serving Jesus wherever they are? And instead of counting how many we have, what if we counted, what if we asked, how do we disciple the the young people that are here, even if there's only one? Numbers, yes, are important, but we have to count the right things. Often, when it comes to then money, which is what we're talking about these past number of weeks, we can often say and count this number, we say, well, can Zion meet its budget and pay its bills? Again, those are good things. It's a very good thing to count what's coming in and what's going out, making budgets, planning how to use God's resources, paying bills. Those are very good things, but there's still an even better number to count than that. There's still a better number to count than are we making ends meet. A better question is, how much does God want me to give to his kingdom this year? Not necessarily even here, just to his kingdom for his work. Or asking God, how much do I really need to live on, and what would God like to do with the rest? Instead of asking, well, can the church break even, we ask, God, how much do you want to use for your kingdom? Or God, am I being faithful? What would it mean for me to be faithful this year with what you've given me? So yes, numbers are important, and so are also the numbers of our giving to God. And that's what 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 talk about. So two long chapters that we focused on for these past number of weeks and one more next week. And so we learned a little bit about the Corinthian Christians. Corinth, let's see, I got a map recap for you. Ah, there we go. Corinth is the green dot if you can see it. In modern-day Greece, very, very wealthy city, much like New York, very cosmopolitan, a big business and financial center. People there were were driven go-getters, very successful, and numbers were very important to them. They had much, they spent much, they were big spenders, but not necessarily towards God, and so Paul is teaching them. And so he compares to them with, in the Red circle, you see that's the Macedonian churches in the north. We looked at this a bit last week. And, so, and they had less than the Corinthians, but they were very, very generous towards people, Christians far away that were suffering great famine. So you see Macedonian Corinth on the left. And then all the way across much of the Mediterranean is Jerusalem and Judea. Christians there were suffering a great famine. That's, that's the center of the start of the Christian church in Jerusalem. Paul is saying, please give and help them, and so they're giving to Christians far across the world. Well, you and I spend money in many ways, don't we? Probably every day, in some way, we at least spend some amount, a quarter, a dollar, or something, and we're all different kinds of spenders, so I want to talk for just a brief moment what kind of spenders you and I can be at times. Some of us, at times, can be what you might say are impulsive spenders. In college, I was in the car with my roommate, and we were driving on a five-lane road, and we were in the left lane of, you know, two lanes going one direction. And it was early December, late November, around this time of year. And we drove by a McDonald's, and I saw the marquee sign, and I instinctively read it out loud, really sarcastically. I said, ooh, eggnog shake. And Without thinking, he crossed two lanes of traffic and a turn lane, and boy, we were in the drive thru and he was getting an eggnog shake. Some of you see something, want it, buy it, never mind the price, I'll have it now. Some of us at times are bored spenders. I'm bored, I'll go shopping. Or worse yet, I'm bored, it's late at night, I'll look at Amazon. It can be here in two days. Very dangerous. Some of us at times can be revenge spender and no elbowing people, okay? Revenge spenders. Another friend of mine a number of years ago was wanting to buy a chainsaw. He had some trees needed to cut in his property, and we we're talking about it, and you know, I kind of said, why don't you get it? You'll, you'll save money in the long run rather than you know, paying somebody to come do this. And he said, well, I don't know about that. This chainsaw will cost me at least twice as much in revenge spending by my wife. Some of us are also special interest spenders. That is, we have hobbies and interests and activities that we don't even think twice about before we spend money on it. This is often how men end up with boats and motorcycles and, and this time of year, new hunting equipment. Some of us are also penny-pinching spenders. You know, we watch every cent, we watch every dollar as, as it adds up in the bank because we rarely spend on, every, on anything, and that's good. We're, we're very good savers, but not necessarily generous. Some of us are also status spenders. Sometimes we look at somebody else and we say, oh man, I, I want to look like them. And so we buy something that, that kind of puts us into their class, whatever we think that is. And we want to be accepted by the the in crowd or be looked at as respectable or something. And so we're tempted to buy clothes and car and house or phone or whatever it is that would raise our status to somebody else's. But then there are, and this is what Paul's talking about in Corinthians, then there are generous spenders. Those that spend generously on others and also give generously to God because of what God has done for them. Have you ever known somebody who was simply generous with what they had, no matter what it was? It could have been a lot or it could have been a little. I've known people that that had a lot and were very generous and people that were little and were very stingy. But when you see somebody who is very generous with what they had, it is a beautiful thing. And that's what Paul is telling the Corinthians and us to be. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 5, we, we read already, he said, so I thought it necessary to urge the brothers, to come and visit you, Corinthians, in advance to finish the arrangements for the gift that you had promised. They had you know, promised some uh, giving towards the poor Christians in Judea, but then kind of hadn't done it yet. And so he says, then it will be ready as a generous gift, planning ahead, uh, not as one grudgingly given. So Paul is encouraging them, the Corinthians, to change their spending habits and become generous Spenders, like the Macedonian churches that he talked about. So let's do that. Let's talk about generous spenders. It's in that same section Paul tells them. He says, hey, I know your eagerness to help, and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, because they said they were going to give some, so he went up there and said, hey, guess what the Corinthians are going to do? Telling them that since last year, you and A.K. were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action, but I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting in this matter will not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as, you, as I said you would be. That is to say, generous spenders prepare ahead of time. Generous spenders prepare to be generous. You've probably heard this phrase. You could finish it for me. Those who fail to plan, plan to... yeah. It's true about a lot of things in life. It's true about life, and it's also true about Christian stewardship. You see, in my own life, there are many days when I think exercising is a good idea. But I get up, get ready, get kids ready, go to work, come home, eat dinner, put the kids in bed, ah, relax on the couch, watch some TV. I think exercising is good. It's good for me. I know it's good. I feel better. I know I'm taking care of the body. gave me, but if I don't plan, it's not going to happen. I actually now put running shoes in a plastic bag and run, and clothes in my car and just leave them there, and it reminds me that at any time I could, if I get some spare time, I can go for a run. I don't have to go home to change. I'm already prepared. It's planned. And I run far more often when I plan ahead and put clothes and shoes in my car and just leave them. Sometimes I go days, but when I exercise, I feel better, my body's healthy, life is better, but I have to plan for it. Giving is a lot like that too. If you don't plan where your money will go every month, it'll probably just go. Dave Ramsey famously says, tell every dollar where it's going to go at the beginning of the month you don't plan to give to God and to His kingdom, it will happen far less, and you'll feel less good about it when you do. You see, Paul is helping the Corinthians plan ahead and plan their giving to the poor Christians in Jerusalem suffering famine. And he's saying that planning to give is a very godly thing. So I want to show you a couple things here. I want to tell you about Zion as a church, our budget, and our financial priorities as a church, because I think it's important for all of you to know. Every year as a church, we meet and vote and pass a spending budget for the year. Council and committees work on it, and then uh, finally, a congregational meeting approves the final version. That'll happen this year on December 16th. Come and be there. And as Christian writer Jim Wallace says, "...budgets are moral documents." That means what we budget tells us what what is important to us. What we spend our money on tells us what we value. So as a church and as individual people, if you look at our budgets, you'll see what we value. If you look at my home budget, you'll see that I value, uh, you know, house payment, utilities, yes. Uh, Value having a place to, to stay at night, Yes. You'll see food, I value eating, and I value feeding my family. Uh, I even value feeding the dog. I spend money on that. You see, budgets are moral documents where we say what's important by how we spend our money. And so Zion's budget, yes, it has all the regular, mundane aspects of normal life that are important. We have a BPW bill, came last week. Electric sewer, water, heating bill, phones, internet, staff salaries, yes, all these things. And yes, uh, yes, Zion does need you to give generously to support God's work here, but there's something else I want you to see. In our budget every year, and this has gone on longer than I've been pastor here, so it is your all work and previous leaders' work, but you've all decided that we will give away at least 10% of any offerings that are given to the church. As that is the baseline giving model in the scriptures, and everything we have is God's, you all decided years ago that we're going to model that as a church too. So what that means is, when anything comes in in the offering, immediately ten percent is already given away before we think about what we have, what bills we have to pay here. And so how that works here is, oops, nine uh, percent of that goes to. Uh, support, you know, missions and ministries and outreach and supporting leaders. That happens through our church body, through Michigan and our nation and throughout the world. And then 1% of that goes to a local ministry. We're in partnership. So no matter what, Zion gives away 10%. And then on top of that is special offerings to other things. So in the past year, We've given to hand to hand ministries, audio scripture ministries, Lutheran Braille workers, here we stand, hurricane relief, benevolent, but all sorts of those are all on top of all that. So I want to show you the numbers because numbers matter, right? Zine's budget, fully staffed, is right around $496,000, give or take, year to year. And then going back a couple of years on that, 10% would be about. $50,000. Well, 2016, as a church, we gave away $73,494. Cash given away. That's not, even, that's not including uh, food donated, hat and mitten tree, uh, angel tree, all these other items given away. This is just money given away. 2017 was given away $74,215. This year, we're probably on course to give away over $74,000 again. So that is to say, as a church, in the last three years, we've given almost a quarter of a million dollars away. I think that's remarkable. Why would we do that? Why would we prioritize giving as a church? The answer is quite simple. It's because God is a giving God. God is a generous God who has given us everything. And so when we give, we are simply imitating God. Do you know how generous God is? God is so giving that He would not even think twice about giving His only Son for you. God is so giving that He would sacrifice His comfort. He would sacrifice His heavenly throne. And yes, God would sacrifice His eternal condo in Florida so that you would know forgiveness and life in Jesus. God is so giving that everything you have is a gift from God's hand. And even more than that, when you and I turn our backs on God in rebellion and, yes, in greed, God doesn't condemn you. He dies for you. God is the Father who would kill the fattened calf to celebrate you being back home, no matter how far you've run. God would spend and did spend all to save you and to have you back. And God continues to give to you. As I said earlier in worship, God gives and we respond in thanks. God gives you forgiveness and life and peace. He gives to you in His Word. And he gives to you in His true body and blood at His table for forgiveness and renewal. God is giving everything to you. And in response, as 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, In response, each one should give what they have decided in their heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but for God loves a cheerful giver. That's what Paul tells them. That's what God wants us to be like. And when we give to God and to others, we are simply imitating God because God is the most generous spender of all time. One last thing I want you to see. Just a few more numbers. How many times certain words are used in the Bible? Believe, you'd think is quite an important number in the Bible. It is used 272 times. Pray, important word in the Bible, used 371 times. Love, also really important number in the Bible or word in the Bible, used 371 times. Give. Guess how many times give is used in the Bible? 2,157, not even close. The Bible is about giving. It is about God giving everything to rescue you, save you, renew you, make you new, And then God makes us into giving people. When we give, we are simply imitating our God who gave everything for you. Or, in the words of 2 Corinthians, this is from chapter 8, speak it with me as we did last week. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. In Jesus' name, amen.